Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Let's read that and then uh, we will pray for God's blessing upon our time. And uh, we will dive into the word. Amos 8, 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning that as we look back at uh, the days of Amos, and uh, the place where the nations found themselves, Lord, that, that history, that experience, that the words of your prophet, Lord, would speak to us today. May it not only educate us, Lord, but may it um, renew us and build us up. So, Lord, I pray that as your word is offered up today, that it indeed would raise a standard, Lord God, against every scheme and every practice the enemy would want to influence in our lives, that we might be able to follow you, Lord, unhindered, and experience all the good that you have in store for us. So, Lord, speak through your word now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if you were here last week, you remember that we, um, we talked about a topic that I called a war of words. And uh, it was an effort to uh, expose how the devil works to flood our lives with words that are contrary to the truth of God's Word. Um, The reality is this, uh, Satan talks, God speaks, and we speak to ourselves. So part of living under the, the transforming power of God's Word is that we are very um, keyed in and Uh, understanding the power of the words that we listen to and speak, and that those things that are given to us as life come from God's Word. And uh, those are to be our focus. It's the the authority that we are to live under. And this morning, as we continue, this is kind of a part two, because it's my observation within the Scripture that there are those moments in time where Uh, The devil wants to flood our lives, our minds with his words that we might be distracted and focused on the wrong things. But then there are also those times where he works and he endeavors to not flood us with his words, but rather to create an environment or an experience of famine within us. Uh, He he literally wants to, to move us into a place of of, of, of spiritual famine because of a lack of the Word of God being invited into our lives. The, a lack of the Word of God being an authority for our lives. So we kind of see the enemy here as working in extremes. He can use every strategy from a flood to everything that would try to starve us by eliminating what God wants to give us so that we can have new life in Him. And that is Uh, essentially what we see happening in the book of Amos. And in just a moment, we're going to unpack kind of the history and the reason why uh, verse 11 was written there. But 
I want you just to get this point clear in your mind this morning. That as you endeavor to live for God, Satan will try to lead you to a place of spiritual starvation. And he does it with illusion. He does it with, with, with these things that seem to be providing um, a, 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 a level of nourishment to us when in reality they do not. His plans are always very subtle, and on the front end, they look innocent, but on the back end, they are destructive. And I want to remind you this morning that when you entertain any plan or priority outside of God's plan, you are playing with fire. Because the devil can be nothing but true to who he is. The Word tells us that he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And we see that. And oftentimes on the front end of a process in our lives, we say it won't end there, but when God is not behind it, it will. Because the devil can be nothing but true to himself. Everything that he does, no matter how innocent it may appear, he does so that it may lead us to that place where our lives are destroyed, where he steals from us, and where ultimately we are not experiencing life in Christ. I want to share an observation with you this morning. I have yet to meet the person who woke up randomly one morning and said, I think today I want to destroy my life, hurt those around me, and run away from God. Now maybe you have, but I have not met that person yet. That just one morning that said, you know what, I, I, I think I want to, 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 to not live an abundant life, but rather I want to live a life of famine, a life of lack. Quite oftentimes what it looks like is, is, is there is a process underway that leads to a major life decision that destroys life, that destroys family, that destroys relationship, that changes the course of life. And it's not something that transpired one day when somebody woke up, but rather it is something that has been working behind the scenes and under the surface for a very, very, very long time. And there are these, these barriers or these warning signs that we, we go by, we plow through, and each step away from what God has called us to is something that leads us to death and destruction and to seeing the enemy rob us of all the good that God wants to do for us. In fact, I met um, and counseled with someone that had made some decisions that absolutely destroyed their marriage one time. And... Um, person said to me, you know what, I didn't wake up one morning to say, you know what, I think adultery is a good idea. Rather, they violated their conscience and kept making decisions that led them in the wrong way until there was a moment of no return. Because they fulfilled the lust of the heart. And in that moment, everything around them was changed. So I want to remind you this morning, church, that sometimes the enemy tries to flood our lives with words that distract us, but then there are those times where he's not operating in a flood, but rather he's operating to bring famine into your life, a lack. 
And we need to be equally tuned in and aware of both strategies. In the book of Amos, we see a pattern much like the things that we've just discussed, but within the context of a nation. Now, Amos is an interesting character. I don't know if you've ever done much back study on Amos. He was um, an individual who was not a professional prophet. You know, sometimes we, we, we read um, about the people in the Bible, and we say, well, you know what? Um, they're not a lot like me. You know, they were kind of special in some way, and they had resources that I don't have, and so on and so forth. But in the context of uh, the nation of Israel in the days of Amos, uh, Amos was not a professional prophet. In fact, he was an average Joe, and uh, he cared for sheep and figs. He was just kind of an ordinary guy, but, but things within society had come to the place where God needed to raise up a man, and he called out a man who was used to dealing with figs and sheep, and he put a prophetic word into his mouth, and that word was, was, was announced to the nation. I want to share a little bit of the background and the context, and, and you might say, why, Pastor? And, and I want to tell you this as the reason for it. I want you to be biblically literate. You know, as, 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 as the people of God, we need to know the Word of God. And you can't appreciate the life of Amos and all that he was able to do under the power of the Lord unless you kind of understand the days that he lived in. So here, here are some of the things that were going on in the days that Amos lived. King Uzziah ruled Jerusalem. King Jeroboam II ruled Israel. In Israel, the nation had gained control of some international trade routes. Borders had been restored. It was a time of prosperity. In Judah, Judah had regained control of some seaports, which helped them with trade, and they expanded to the southwest at the expense of the Philistines. And in both nations, they had reached new political heights and new levels of military strength. And these achievements and prosperities were interpreted as signs of God's blessing. In other words, things were going really well in society. The military was strong. The economy was good. Trade had been expanded. It appears as though there was really nothing lacking socially within the nation. And the cry of the land was, this is the blessing of God. When spiritually the two nations had lost their way, idolatry was rampant. The rich lived in luxury. The poor were forgotten and oppressed. Immorality was widespread. The judicial system was corrupt in the sense that only the rich had access to it. And Amos delivers a message to Israel and says, unless there is a change of heart, there will be destruction. And the cry of God to His people it's found in Amos 5.24. Let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. The nation didn't wake up one morning and say what had just happened, but rather they were experiencing prosperity all around them and within the context of material prosperity their hearts drifted away from God. Over time, they were tempted to go their own way 
And the result was spiritual famine for the nation. You see, Solomon put it this way. There's nothing new under the sun. The devil has many schemes, but he doesn't have any new ones. Okay? So we see here within the context of Israel the same strategy that the devil wants to work in our lives. It's a strategy that puts our focus in a direction that doesn't necessarily keep our hearts close to God. And as we focus on those things, we, we drift, we stray, and we lose that fire that once filled us. So here's the response of the Lord. I want to give you two things quickly. Amos 7, 8, let me read this to you. Thus he showed me, behold, the Lord stood on and made with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And then in verse 7, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people. I will not pass by them any more. Amos chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. I want to talk to you for a moment about the significance of a plumb line. So what God is saying to the people here is that you have, you have made choices and moved in a direction and now I am going to measure you and I am going to measure you in relation to a standard that I set with my law and he uses the illustration of a plumb line this is a plumb line right here this is a building tool are you familiar with this in fact, the thing at the end of the stringer is called a plumb bob. At least that's the way I've heard. Yeah. Sounds kind of southern to me. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, nothing against anybody from the south, okay? <laughs> but I've always heard that term and said, wow, that's the best we could do. That's kind of interesting. But it is. It bobs. <laughs> and what it does is when you are building... It gives you a true vertical line so that you can build in such a way that what you build is straight up and down and not out of alignment. So if we wanted to, we could see how straight up and down this platform is. We're not going to do that. Because it's made of many pieces. Someday it will be replaced. And the Lord is saying through the prophet Amos, Look, nation of Israel, I have given you my law. I have made you my people. I have set you apart from the nations. And in this environment of prosperity, you have begun to go your own way. So now I am going to measure you against that which I established to see if you are true or if you are out of alignment. Every work that the enemy does within our lives is meant to get us out of alignment and in and out of square from the place where the, the, the Lord would have us to be. You know, we're not only called to live under the authority of God's Word, 
But we are called to implement that word into our lives as a standard for living and decision making. And there are those moments where we can stray from that which the Lord would have called us to. And it is subtle and we may not even know that it's happening. And God is telling us in those moments that you need to utilize my word as something that measures you to see if you are aligned with what I have called you to be and do. A plumb bob. Now here's the thing. I was thinking about this this morning in prayer. And I know I say this a lot. When we're praying at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, I get stuff. Well, you know what? That's a good thing. Keep praying that I get stuff. Because I want you to hear from the Lord, not from me. And as I was thinking about the significance of this imagery that, that the, the Lord is delivering to the nation through Amos, it kind of, um, kind of made me think about it in a way that I had not ever thought about it before. Number one, when you're building, you're not just interested in the vertical, but you're also interested in the horizontal, right? That's why we use a level. It's interesting to me that the tool that the Lord chose to use to illustrate this point is something that measures vertically. We have a vertical relationship with the Lord. And for us as the people of God, everything that is built in the horizontal needs to flow out of the vertical. Your relationships and your family and your finance and the decisions that you make, if we just have a horizontal view that leaves out the vertical, we're going to end up in a place that we don't want to be. I started to think about the early church. The church of Acts. And sometimes, as I'm in conversation with folks, we talk an awful lot about the things that the early church accomplished here on the world. But we don't talk as much about the vertical things that it flowed from. Let me read this to you. This is fresh and raw and new. But let's consider it. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42. The church has been birthed. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And then here is how that vertical life was lived. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Let me offer this to you today. If as a church we want to see the things that happened in the book of Acts, they are going to happen 
when we not only want the things that would be horizontal, but when we hold the same conviction in regards to a commitment to vertical things that open us up to the life and the power of God operating in us. And I think it's simple. It's the Word, it's fellowship, and it's prayer. You may be, have been asking yourself, you know, why are we spending you know, the first part of the year talking about prayer and now a few weeks on the Word of God? And it's because you have a very simple-minded pastor. that just believes that for the church to be who the church is called to be, the church needs to be grounded in the Word, sharing fellowship and community with one another, and praying to God to use them. And I'm, I'm simple in that regard. But I'm also a little bit concerned because in too many circles it seems like a novel idea. It's a church. Let's be aware of who God has called us to be and those things that he's called us to. Because the reality is there are, are alternatives that come before us. And they seem good. Sometimes they seem spiritual. When in reality, they move us away from the basics. And without knowing, when our plumb bob is applied to our lives, we find out that we are just a little bit off. It's a scheme. It's a scheme that ended, and the result was what we read in Amos 8.11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. See, this is not um, uncommon even yet today. The devil labors to execute a plan that seems good and innocent and sometimes even godly. And the purpose is to starve us spiritually. Just like Israel in the days of Amos. So it's really quiet. And if we are honest, we would say, those are weighty things to consider. You know, that when we take inventory of our lives to see if we're on the right path or not, that is a, oftentimes a challenging process to walk through. And, and, and how do we undertake that process, you know, not only personally, but even corporately sitting together in a room like this? And why is it necessary and important for us to have those moments where we just kind of look within 
to see if our lives are plumb. It's important for this reason. The devil knows that before he can destroy you, he has to disarm you. He works to remove the power of the Word of God from our lives. He's patient. He's subtle. And over time, He will take you where you do not want to go. And He knows that to achieve His end goal, to destroy, He has to disarm. Because like we said last week, the Word of God is nuclear. It's more than words. It's all that we need for life and godliness. It has within it life. It has within it power. And when we receive it as the people of God, it nourishes our soul and it gives us strength to live for Him. And the enemy knows that it stands against him and his schemes. He knows that that the Word of God has the power to cast down everything that comes against us. And that his only hope for success is to first disarm us. I will share with you just a, a section of the parable of the sower, Mark 14, or rather Mark chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Let's just listen to this. This is Jesus. These are red letter words in your Bible. He's explaining it. He's given the story, and people around him are having a hard time comprehending. Jesus says these words. He says, The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, listen to this, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown into their hearts. Satan doesn't just stroll on by the next day. He doesn't wait a week. He doesn't make an appointment for a month from now. But there literally is this, this, this confrontational battle that takes place as we are looking at the Word of God. And on one side, the Lord is wanting to build you up and fill you up. And then on the other side, the devil is wanting to come immediately to take away that which the Lord is providing. Without hesitation. Immediately. It happens every day. It happens every week. It's happening right now. It's an unseen world that surrounds us. As the Word of God is read, as instruction flows from it, there's... Um, an effort to immediately rob the seed. And you know what? The devil has a lot more tools at his uh, resource today than when Jesus said this. 
Let me, let me show you how he, how he robs the Word of God from your heart sometimes. Looks like this. I know that all of you are not looking at your Bible. My Bible's electronic, Pastor. Distraction, right? Ding. Oh, somebody posted to my thingy. Or somebody, somebody did, did this, right? Or whatever. Or yeah, somebody somewhere else tried to get a hold of me and, 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 and whatever. So, you know, this is an incredible tool. I, you know, I'm not down on electronic Bibles or the use of technology and how it can enhance our lives, but, but I am saying that there is an open door that can turn it into a bad thing because the enemy can use it for distraction. All right? Um, let, me, let, me, let me tell you another um, strategy. Oh, okay. Thank you. Very critical. Yeah, look at that. Pastor Dan's daughter just sent this to him. Can I keep this? No. <laughs> the altars will be open in just a second. No. <laughs> Tell Kelly we all said hi. No. <laughs> Um, let me tell you another way. Sometimes um, the enemy is very patient in the ways that he chooses to distract us. And uh, some of you set yourself up for failure this morning. Because, you know, the Word of God says that we're to come to church with a prepared heart, with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. That, that, that as we gather together, we do so mindful of what God has done for us, celebrating it, ready to share it, right? I mean, it's, it's there. Some scholars say that, you know, those words that, that Paul wrote uh, were, were actually like an order of service, you know, that, that this, is, this is just what we do. Songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. And we come prepared to engage in that process. But here's the reality. Some of you didn't go to bed last night until midnight, 2 a.m., 4 a.m. You know, last Sunday I had somebody tell me uh, I didn't even go to bed. It wasn't because they were at work. You know, eyes were glued to a screen, an electronic device, and, and uh, this morning, whether it be worship or communion or the Word, you're just kind of you're just kind of doing this. And you know what? I don't take it personal anymore. <laughs> that's the second phone that's gone off since I said that. You realize that? Now, can the Lord make a point or what? All right. No, but here, here, literally, some of you, instead of coming to the house of God prepared, you are coming so exhausted. You can't lift a hand and you can't focus on what it is the Lord is wanting to give you. And I want to tell you this, it's not innocent. It's not innocent. It is a scheme 
and a trap that the adversary of your soul has written to come against you so that you can be in a position to not receive what God wants to give you today. I don't say that in judgment. I'm just telling you the truth. I love you. And you know, I love you enough that I want to see God's work prosper in you. Every one of you. Every one of you. So Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in their hearts. So how, how, do we, how do we contest this? How do we stop this? We receive the word by responding to the word. We hide it in our hearts, right? We hide it in our hearts. We talked about that last week. This week in your insert, uh, Amy made uh, the, um, uh, an insert for, uh, as a tool to help you meditate on the word of God. That was our assignment last week. Go home, read a chapter a day, meditate on uh, the verse that the Lord just kind of has jump off the page at you and, and, and meditate on it, write about it, study it, allow its meaning to infiltrate your life. And I said, you know what? If God shows you something, I want to know about it. So at the end of service, if you've got something you want to share, you come find me because I want to celebrate what God showed you in his word. But we have to respond to the word, and one of the ways we do that is by hiding it in our heart because the heart is of critical importance. Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you read the word, I want to ask you, what are you saying to yourself again, just like I did last week? Because whether it is verbally or whether you are reading, the way that your heart responds to the word is indicative of where your heart is. Because out of, from out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And oftentimes I hear things like this too often. Um, I, I, I read that in God's word, but I don't believe it's true for me. You know, when I look into the eyes of someone who's trying to break addiction, you know, that addiction is telling them, okay, it can't happen. I've got a hold of you. Right? When the reality is, as God's word tells us, as we saw in communion, we've been transferred. We don't, we're no longer under the cover of darkness. We live in the light. We've been made new, but they're, but when your experience is just bondage, you know, you've got to learn to live out the promise of God, and you do that by hiding it in your heart and reciting it to yourself over and over and over and over again. I think it was uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, I believe. I, I, it might not have been her, but it was just, uh, you know, someone that had a, a, a tremendous testimony of God's grace and delivering power in their lives. And someone said, how did you get from where you were to where you are today? Which was, I look at you and I don't even think those things were, I would never even have guessed they were a part of your life. And she said, you know what? I prayed like no tomorrow. And I prayed the word of God. You got to hide it in your heart. Because you know what? I, I, I want to, um, I, I, I want to I tell on the devil today. Because this is my observation. 
that oftentimes the enemy attacks you where God wants to use you. All right? You're, you're just kind of, you're in the middle of a fight. And the voices in your head are saying, no way. The reason those voices are saying, no way, is because God wants to use the power of your testimony to lead others to the kingdom. And the devil knows as long as he can keep you rooted in the past, you are not going to walk in the fullness of the future that God has for you. So I've just begun to establish a practice in my life that when I begin to hear something saying back to me, it can't happen, I say to that voice, you obviously don't know the power of my God. Because here's the reality. Can I just, let me just, and, and, and I'll close with this. I'm four, four minutes over. Let me close with this. Okay? Um. The Lord called me into the ministry at the age of 15. And you want to know the thing that scared me the most about that call? Is what I'm doing right now. Um, You all know that one of the highest fears of man is public speaking, right? It's right up there with death. You know, they're, yeah. And that was something that even as a young teenager I had to process and work through. And, and I'm not saying I've arrived at all. It's only by God's grace that, that anything of profit you know, comes through me. It's his words, not mine. But you know, through my whole journey of high school and going through Bible college, and even in my early years of ministry, the way the enemy would, would try to keep me down would be this. You got no business being up there. You can't do that. You're gonna you're gonna have to be in the kind of role that doesn't have you behind a pulpit very often. I'm just telling you the truth. These were these were these were words and things that were spoken to me. Uh, sometimes by people, and most of the time by the devil. And maybe the two aren't all that different. I don't know. (laughs) But when my eyes were opened to understand that oftentimes the enemy attacks you where God wants to use you, it completely changed my perspective. And then I began to say, look at Scripture, and, you know, you got Moses. Hey, Moses, you're going to stand before Pharaoh and you're going to deliver my people. But God, I can't speak, I stutter. And you know what? Right where he was attacked and where he felt inadequate, God used him. You you got Gideon in, in hiding and the Lord speaks over his life and says, Hey, mighty man of valor. And Gideon looks up from that grain pit and he says, you can't be talking to me because I'm a nobody. I'm the least of the least from the least. You know, the enemy was attacking him right where God wanted to use him. And the way that we move into that destiny, we fulfill that call, is we don't listen to the voices anymore, but rather we understand that we have to lay hold of the Word of God as we pursue that which God has called us to do. Because the enemy 
knows that he has to disarm us before he can destroy us. And the part of the way that he works to destroy us is to cause us to believe that we can't be used where God has called us to be used. So hide the word of God in your heart because the way your heart responds tells you what your heart is full of. And God might be saying to some of you today, it's time for an exchange. Get rid of old thinking. Get rid of old assumptions. Get rid of old labels. Here's the reality. We don't read the Bible. The Bible reads us. And when we read it, it fills us. And it washes us. And it strengthens us. And it's the nuclear power of God in our lives to transform us. It's more. It's more than words. So why don't you stand with me? We'll close with that. So why don't we just have a moment of reflection as we bow our heads and we close our eyes. We oftentimes close with this question, and we'll do it again, but I want you to ask this question, Lord, what are you saying to me? Lord, what are you speaking to me? Lord, what are you wanting me to hear? Maybe the Lord is talking to you just about the alignment of your life. And as it's put alongside of the standard God has called you to, maybe there's just something that's a little wonky. He's just saying, you know, today's a day to kind of get, get back to that place of, of being true vertically. And maybe you're here today and you're just saying, you know what, I, I've, uh, I've received word but there's been a great pattern in my life of that word being robbed and, and, and taken from me immediately. And, 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 you, and the response for you today is, you know what, I'm just going to be on guard. And I'm not going to let it happen again. I want you to just kind of make that commitment to the Lord right now. Whatever application looks like for you. You need to make a step of change. Maybe you need to say, I'm just going to work a little bit more diligently at hiding God's word in my heart. Lord, what are you saying to me? I don't want anything at work in me that leads me away from you.
If you're here today and you just say, you know, the Lord is just kind of revealing something specific to me, and I would like prayer just for help and following him in it. Would you just raise a hand? I want to know who you are. I want to pray for you. Just put your hand up. The Lord's just kind of saying, you know what? I see those hands. Yeah, hands. All right. Yeah. Lord, you see the response of the heart, and we're just simply saying we want more of you. Lead us, guide us, direct us, Lord God. Help us to see, Lord God, those things that work against us. And help us to stand firm in the power of your word. Lord, so that we may be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. (laughs) So everyone praying, just one final question. You're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. But today, today you would like to know him. You know, nothing that... uh, We've looked at in God's word as possible outside of Jesus today. And the way it all begins and where it all begins is in Christ. And we'd like to pray a prayer that affirms that faith in you today. And if, if that's you, you just like to say, I need to know Christ as my Lord and Savior. Would you raise a hand? We'd like to, we will all pray with you to get that journey started. Maybe you're doing it for the first time. Maybe you're coming back to a decision you made a long time ago. You need to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, I pray you'd watch over us and keep us as we leave. I pray you'd bring us back again safely very soon. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless your people. May your light shine through us brightly. And may you give us opportunity, Lord God, this week to share the word of our testimony, which is Jesus saves. and He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh God, may we go in your grace and your peace now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's been good to worship with you this morning. Uh, Greet one another on the way out. Encourage one another. God bless you as you enjoy this beautiful day. We'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks again for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life. We would love to have you join us for a service in person. Our service times are on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. with discipleship groups meeting before the service at 9 o'clock. God bless you.